I'm not aware of anyone that, you know, uses guns in that kind of context that does not teach that teach their kids, like drill into them. You use safety. You know what you're doing with this, you know it's potential, you know it's danger, and if you don't you don't touch it. Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. Well, Tony, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well. So that has been you know a long time since we've talked, obviously, but yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's a nice afternoon. Quite hot though. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. Really, I hadn't been outside since early this morning. Um, I've been trapped inside, but uh, I do have a little sunshine coming through the window here. But I have a question for you. Have you silenced your phone? I have uh, this time. Not gonna lie. Uh, previous podcast, I think we got a text uh, a chime that uh, came through, and I'm gonna have to uh, edit that out of the podcast. So <laughs> it's, it's happened to me before. Well, that's good because see, we're gonna talk about smartphones, and we're gonna do the talking. We're not gonna let the phones talk and take over. Um, let the machines take over our lives. But before we jump in, we do have to tie this to baseball somehow, right? I mean, there's there's got to be a tie. Um, so do you remember a few years ago, we were just talking about the Red Sox. Do you remember when they were using Apple Watches to cheat? I do, yes. <laughs> I don't even remember exactly what the strategy was, but I do remember Apple Watches playing a part of it. And so, see, even baseball games, like balls and strikes, haven't escaped the reach of smartphones and smart devices. Um, and so it seems that it's just, you know, they're taking over life. They've even seeped into the bedroom uh, or the back seat, as it were. Um, teenage sexual activity and pregnancy are down by 40% and 67% respectively since 1991. That was as of uh, 2016, so you know, 25-year time span. That's a big drop. Um, and perhaps a big reason why is that teenagers are spending less time on their phones or they're spending less time doing those other activities because they're at home in their bedrooms on their phones. Now, they may be using it for other sort of activities that are uh, less than wholesome but <laughs> not actual intercourse and, well, you can't get digitally pregnant. Um, but it is often surprising to see just who has a smartphone and how young they may be. I mean, have you ever seen a kid? I mean, like – you have a smartphone? How old are you? Uh, 100%. So the average, the average age of phone acquisition, do you know what it currently is? Uh, nine, maybe? I don't know. The last I read was 10. So, um, so close. Now, do you want to guess the average uh, number of phone pickups per day, the, times, the number of times you would turn the phone on to, to check notifications and that kind of thing? 58.4. 58.4. Um, that's actually rather low. So according to Apple, and this was a couple years ago too, but according to Apple, 80 times per day for the average adult. I don't know for teenagers. I, my guess is it may – I don't know because they, they're not supposed to use them during school usually. <laughs> but I know I see uh, – I just saw kids getting out of school here 
And our office is kind of in between where the kids get out of school from the high school and middle school to where they have to go to get picked up. And as soon as that bell rings, man, those kids are walking down the hall. They've got their heads down on those devices. Um, but that's what we want to talk about today is kids and teenagers and smart devices because it is just a part of life now in the Western world. And even not just the Western world. It's in countries that are not even developed. I remember hearing um, – a former missionary talked about he had led a team. They were somewhere up in the Andes Mountains talking to this witch doctor guy. I mean, in the full garb, and they're trying to talk to him about the gospel. And all of a sudden, they hear this ding, da ding, 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 da ding, ding, ding. And then you know the guy's like, "Oh, wait a minute!" And he pulls out uh, a smartphone from his little witch doctor satchel and you know takes a call. <laughs> so I mean, it is just everywhere. Um, so Tony, how old were you when you got a cell phone? Before I answer that, I do want to say, when you mentioned they were everywhere in sports, I always think of how they were so much everywhere that, I mean, there was a famous NFL uh, situation where a uh, football player found one in a goalpost and they, I think, called his mom. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, vaguely. Was that T.O. that did that? It was, uh, I think it was Chad Johnson, but uh, Ocho oh, okay. Cinco. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I remember T.O. and the, the Sharpie incident. That was pretty good. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I uh, my first cell phone was, you know, I got a Molar, Motorola Razor, I think it was, like the original ones, not before they were smartphones, uh, mm-hmm. when I was uh, 16, I think. Uh, it wasn't s- smart, uh, but it had Snake, So, and I would play Snake on it. Do you remember Snake on the phones? Vaguely. Yeah. So I didn't get a smartphone actually until I entered ministry. So it's, uh, I was really late to the smartphone game, but, uh, you know, now I don't think I would get a phone that's not a smartphone, which uh, is probably not a great statement on me, but I will say I'm proud to admit I've, I have yet to own a a smartphone that's valued more than a hundred dollars and I've never owned an iPhone. So, which I know a lot of people can't say that. So how about you, Ben? Uh, I was also 16 when I first got a phone, and it was one of those prepaid, like it had this many minutes, and my dad was very clear that this is not for you to call and talk with your buddies. This is like, hey, I'm leaving this place, or you know, I just got to this place, that kind of thing. And then the next year, they got me a, a phone on my, my mom's plan. Um, but then I was 26 or 27 when I got a smartphone. Uh, so I was not as late adopting as you were, but I was not initial you know, to, I got to get one of these. Cause at first, I mean, I saw it as like, okay, you can check your email. I mean, I can do that though on my computer and oh, I can, I can access Facebook on this. Okay. Again, I can do that on my computer. I just didn't see the need. And you know, my seminarian budget was not exactly, uh, didn't have a lot of room for margin there. So yeah, I, I just, I, there's a lot of things where you, you would probably guess this. I'm not an early adopter on. Yes. I, that, I think that's a good thing for you. So you are, um, yeah, you're a little late sometimes, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and I may come across as like, you know, a crotchety old guy, uh, get off my lawn kind of thing on this conversation. But I think there are some, some things we really do need to think about. And, and, and people who are Christians and people who are not Christians are, and have been seeing this kind of thing for a while with technology and screens and, and young people and their brains and their souls. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, it's um, no, it, it's appreciate, something worth our attention. I appreciate so, your moderation and things. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes maybe it 
needs to ramp up a little bit. But um, so, Tony, why do you think people are so addicted to smart devices? And and what about teenagers and kids in particular? Why are they so drawn to those little glowing idols? Yeah, I think it's an. I you know probably read a lot more than me. My guess is your answers are way better than mine. Uh, but I would guess escapism and entertainment addiction are major aspects of why. Uh, and for me, uh, you know, I get I spend more time on my phone than I wish I did. Uh, I can idolize productivity, and for me, I can get on it so much because you know I have all of my like I have a OneDrive uh, the app on it, and you know I've literally everything that's on my computer is easily on my phone or you know whatever I need to look up, I can easily find on my phone, and so that's to me a reason why I can get too hooked on it. Uh, I think. Kids and teens are especially addicted because they have been socially stunted by being exposed to it too early. And now, therefore, they're addicted to them kind of as their their version of, of a social world. Uh, they don't really understand how to engage in the real social world. But again, that's mostly my hunch is my guess is you would have better answers than this. I think that's good insight, though. Yeah, escapism, entertainment addiction. Uh, I was reading something earlier, this fellow saying that it's just sort of the path of least resistance. You can just sort of take in triviality and things that are not that bad. And he's, you know, but if you take the course of not that bad your whole life, I mean, what kind of life are you going to end up with? Um, and so, I mean, I think a couple of things to consider. One, it's just they're cool. There, there is something appealing about them. And the hardware and the software is designed to be addictive, and the, the designers are good at it. They use psychological research even, and, and I've heard the, the term use weaponize it um, against the, the way your brain works and the way emotions work and desires uh, to draw people in, to draw kids in in particular. Uh, they're good at delivering rewards, uh, and this can even – you could apply this to, to online video gaming and things like that. Um, there's I'm going to quote a guy named Dr. Robert Freed, who's a, a psychologist who works with children and adolescents, and he's citing this other guy, I think B.J. Fogg, who has been highly sought after in some of these realms uh, because he's got this behavior model that it's well tested and it produces results that you can affect people's behavior. But kind of the simple form is, is there's three factors. There's motivation, and so a lot of times kids want to avoid rejection. And so, I mean, we've, we did an episode on the fear of man. All of us want to be liked and want to avoid rejection. But for adolescents and for kids, that can be an even stronger desire. So you got this motivation. There's the ability. Again, they don't have to think hard. It's this path of least resistance. And uh, they don't have to go develop other skills, social skills and things. And then triggers. And you get these notifications and yeah. all this. And so, anyway, it's very effective at just sucking people in. Yeah. Um, I think for young people in particular, they have less self-control, or they tend to. Uh, self-control is something that you know you have to develop, and so there's that. There's also FOMO, fear of missing out on something. Oh, does somebody like my my post, or uh, I wonder what happened, and so it can just be captivating. Um, yeah. But you know, before smart devices, I mean, kids were drawn to TV screens when we were kids. Um, I mean, we, I mean, you could see. I remember even watching kids younger than me just. You know, you turn on a television, they just stop and stare, um, just drawn in. And so there's something about it that does captivate our attention. Um, now, to so be not fair, we grew up device. in the time where the image would literally stay on the screen for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, 
So, I mean, there's a lot going on there, but why do you think that parents are giving their kids smart devices so early, you know, 10 years old on average? Yeah. So one thing I think that's, you know, not nefarious necessarily is, is affordability, I think, is one aspect of it. So, uh, I mean, even thinking about like our family, we gave our kids Wi-Fi uh, devices, you know, that, you know, they can't connect to 4G. They can't, you know, do tons of Internet stuff. Uh, Wi-Fi only tablets rather than having a TV in the car. Like I grew up, you know, my parents had like, you know, big van and had TVs, a TV in the car. You had the boomerang thing on top. Yeah, the TV I think reception. so. Yeah, well, mostly we do it actually. Uh, I don't remember what video game system it was, but uh, we would off. Me and my brother would often play an NCAA football video game on it, and uh, so yeah, we because we connected <laughs> game system to it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that's just what happened, and uh, missed that missed that uh, those games. So, but so I think that's not you know to me. I mean our kids having that you know our kids working on math for example on a long trip you know it's just a way they can do it uh, that's actually affordable. I think parents are also so hooked up on phones and devices that their kids crave it and parents then give in. You know, when kids see their parents constantly on devices themselves, you know, it's natural that the kids at young ages are going to want them themselves. Uh, And I think uh, you mentioned the fear of missing out. I think that's a huge aspect of why they're giving it. But with that, you know, that kind of fear, man, and peer pressure, so which are things that you talked about already. Uh, but what do you think, Ben? I thought the, the point that uh, affordability, that is really, I think, important because, like you said, you know, you've not owned a phone that was above $100. And there's so many phones that you can buy. And even if you wait long enough, you can buy an iPhone for like 100 bucks. Um, I mean, it's going to be an older device, but just the, the cost of those things has gone down so much. And so more than 50% of Americans, not just American adults, but Americans own smartphones. And so I mean, you can it's easy to imagine a situation in which a parent uh, gets a new phone, but they still have the old one lying around. And then they think, oh, it's time to give our kid one. Um, they need a way to contact me. And so they give the kid their old smartphone. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just one scenario but uh, not I think some people are not always considering what the device uh, can can do to the user it's not just something that the user uses the phone but the phone does something back to the user and just the social pressure fear of rejection like oh well all the other kids have them so I mean I don't want my kid to get made fun of I don't want them to be different Um, you know everybody else is doing it and so just kind of going along again it's a it's the path of least resistance Mm -hmm. worked out in a different way do you think we can draw specific lines of right and wrong on this issue? Like put things on people's conscience? I think we have to be careful uh, as this is really not an overt scriptural issue. That uh, I, mean, I don't know of a uh, time that uh, you know, the Apostle Paul blasted people. Put down your phone, guys. <laughs> that, that's what Eutychus, that's what got him in trouble when he fell out of that window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That I do think as they get younger, it becomes more and more of a wisdom issue. Uh, you know, and that's not to say that overtly the scripture, but I think that there are principles at play uh, where we can say, I think it's pretty foolish at a young age to give access to that kind of thing. You know, people, uh, you know, condemn sheltering children, but, you know, if you don't shelter a four or five year old, 
you should go to jail. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that to some extent. And, uh, you know, you're not going to expose them to certain things that they would in adulthood. And uh, I, I think we have a responsibility uh, pretty clearly at young ages to not expose them to things that can be really foolish. Uh, we can uh, ask draw line and the line questions, you know. We can ask a right or wrong questions with things. Like, I, I think we can start to ask questions like, for example, why Snapchat kind of became the thing. And I think to me, like, uh, that would be an example that where there are issues where there is right and wrong. I'm not saying it's right or wrong to use Snapchat necessarily, but it's hard to deny that, you know, the reason why young people in general have picked Snapchat overall, as opposed to some other formats, is for less than godly reasons. And I think that is a thing that we need to consider in our discussions. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and it's, you know, the, the social app du jour seems to change quickly. Um, I mean, I, I've heard even just this week about some social media platform that one of the big money makers on it is people producing live pornography, uh, which is just appalling. But it's, you know, it's there. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You can't draw specific lines on when or if uh, what you do with, with smart devices with, with children. But like you said, I mean, if you knowingly let your child access porn or send, you know, in quote, pics, and you're just like, well, they're going to do it. All the kids are doing it. I mean, whatever. Um, that is sinful on your part. Yeah. But I mean, I think this is this falls into the bucket of wisdom and sound judgment. And so some people are thinking about it carefully and, and using more wisdom. Others not really thinking about it critically at all and just handing the child a device. Um, so, I mean, are there some compelling reasons for kids and teenagers to have smart devices? So, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I think in digital schools, it is sometimes essential. You know, we are, we're gearing up for the school year. You've already kind of started that. And, and down south and uh, a lot of schools have already had COVID breakouts again and had to go back to digital school. And uh, there, it's obvious that I mean, you can't uh, just give them a book uh, and have them do school when school's online. It doesn't work that way. Uh, so literally in times it's essential. Uh, but phones really can be deeply beneficial for certain cases. You know, I think of, you know, situations where kids become effectively latchkey uh, kids, you know, and phones mm -hmm. are, are, I'm not going to say it's essential, but I'm going to say it's the benefit is really, really high. Uh, or, you know, say that, you know, you're a kid with private school and it's far away from your home and, uh, you know, you want to be able to keep tabs on them. I think there's a strong benefits there, deep benefits. Uh, but in most cases, I don't think smart devices are necessary. Uh, I think in most, the significant majority cases, because of the digital school thing, I probably wouldn't say vast majority. But I think in most cases, they're not really needed. It's just kind of a, you know, it's just kind of a, a surplus thing, you know, an added benefit that's not necessary. What do you think, Ben? I think I would agree with you that it could be an added, it can provide benefit, but it, it's not just all gain. And so I, having kids that I like, my oldest is 10 and my youngest is four, I don't feel that they're at an age where they're um, 
life is just going to be overly enriched by having a smart device, particularly my oldest having a smartphone. And so I'd say, no, I don't have a compelling reason to go get a smartphone. Um, I may, my opinions may change on that as and, and become more accommodating as my kids age. <clears throat> but our life arrangements and schedules and things really don't require at this point. I mean, we've talked about, and again, I, I can't say this is oh, this is what the Bible says to do, uh, but we've seen the example of others who have actually gotten a dumb phone, just a, a normal phone that does not have internet capability. If the kids were, once they got old enough to stay home by themselves, or if they're going to go somewhere apart from us and they could call us, but they don't necessarily have the ability to do Snapchat and TikTok and all the rest. So yeah, it's just it's a. Um, I guess this is just a question of judgment too. But um, so on the other side of that, though, Tony, are there compelling reasons to avoid or limit the use of smart devices, or just to be late adopters? Yeah, I think there are definitely tons of reasons here. Uh, I think first one definitively uh, should be considered is. There is tons of evidence, especially for minors, that they will develop social anxiety related to social media. And uh, I mean, there is, I mean, the anxiety levels among young people that grew up with smartphones are un literally unprecedented. And uh, you can't link uh, correlation to causation, but it's hard not to say there's sufficient evidence to say that social media and young pe and very young people is causative of extreme anxiety issues. Uh, Which is hard to do in statistics, like you said, but it's almost so it's tied so closely like it's almost hard to say it didn't cause it yeah so uh, i mean easy access to adult uh content is one reason even if you put restrictions there i mean that's a reality you know there are some really great websites i mean there, literally there's a famous christian uh leader like a famous christian that was on tv that's uh being you know going to jail for some illegal activity illegal sinful activity that got that fundamentally was getting around some of those restrictions so i mean that shows you it can be got around. Uh, even if you put those restrictions, you know, it's really easy to get adult content that you don't want them to have. And I think they have far less impulse control than adults do. I mean, that's just a reality of how God made them and, you know, how they develop. Uh, and easy access to stimula stimulation uh, is unwise. And that's not even necessarily saying that, like, easy access to things that are bad, you know. I think it can be, I mean, even easy access to, uh, like, I love what's in the Bible kids series. You know, it's entertaining, but it's Bible information. But easy access that, you know, you can plug into that whenever you want. There's no stillness. There's no patience. I mean, that's a real bad thing. Yeah, I was reading something earlier about this, about it. if you train your brain to never be bored, you've got to constantly have stimulation. Um, that can be troublesome, especially for kids. Like, it's good for kids to be bored and to learn what to do with their boredom instead of just turn on the next video kind of thing. But yeah, I, I think the issues, the potential for addiction are definitely there and people dealing with this, the counselors, mental health professionals, um, hospitalizations for this kind of stuff are up. You mentioned the depression. So basically since uh, like 2009 to 2011 or 2012 or so, the anxiety and depression among young people are just sky high. Um, you kind of alluded to this earlier about being socially stunted. But yeah, shortfalls 
in in real life skills and real life relating to other people are really at stake. Teenagers sitting there texting each other in the same room and things like that, or yeah. you know, they're quote talking to uh, you know someone that they're interested in, and they they just text back and forth. And so, I mean, I've noticed this, and sometimes I mean, like I know when I was say thirteen or fourteen years old, I was not um, ready to write a book about social skills and interactions, and I'm not now either, but. Thankfully, I'm, I'm better than I was then because my dad pushed me to talk to people. But, I mean, I'll try to talk to some, uh, you know, teenager in the church. And, I mean, sometimes their social skills are on the level of a caveman, you know, because they're sitting around texting each other or watching people. They're not even playing the game themselves. They're watching someone else play the video game. Now, I mean, if oh that's your goodness. thing, okay. But, like, to me, it's like just play the game. Um, You're talking about in the same – like, dude, I, I will tell you that I – I've run youth activities uh, where multiple teens that are in the same room together and there's nobody else involved. You know, if it's like in a fun event, they will Snapchat one another uh, back and forth on their phone while they're sitting next to each other. And it's just like, <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it is amusing, but it's sad sometimes. I'm going to quote somebody named Heather Wilhelm. Um, She wrote an article at National Review a couple years ago. She said, if adults can't handle smartphone technology, how could kids possibly stand a chance? I mean, you talked about adults being on their phone so much. Well, despite this, and despite the fact that it seems highly questionable to hand an immature young person what is essentially a very expensive portable internet porn finder slash social media stalking system slash mean girls tech center, uh, American kids are getting smartphones at earlier and earlier ages. I mean, it's just there are so many pitfalls and landmines. Um, it is worth stopping going, wait, should we, should we delay a little bit or should we do something here? Because – and that's the thing about technology – it can't tell us what we should or shouldn't do with it. It's just there. Yeah, 100%. you know. And so people use it, and and some people it's like, oh, if it's new, it must be good, and they just jump on the bandwagon. More technology is better, and then, uh, oh, oops, you know. And so um, again, I think there are benefits to being waiting uh, to be. Uh, to jump on the bandwagon. And sometimes you should jump on the bandwagon. You know, you called me a Luddite earlier, but <laughs> can protect you from some things. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. No, hey, that's okay. I'll wear that badge. <clears throat> um, so how can, because I mean, I, I'm not totally against uh, technology, though, I mean, I'll say none of my kids own um, it's like their personal, you know, Wi-Fi enabled device, though we do allow our kids to use Wi-Fi enabled devices with, you know, res- restrictions and things and limits. But how can we walk our kids through the responsibility of using and having a smart device, whether it's a tablet or a phone or, or what else? Yeah. So I think that uh, this is going to sound uh, crazy, but. I think in a way teach them the kind of responsibility you would with the gun use, you know. I mean nobody like I know, you know, I know people that, you know, live in small town America and I don't think it's inherently wrong that will allow, you know, a sixteen year old to use a hunting rifle uh, or something like even a little younger than that. Uh, but I'm not aware of anyone that, you know, uses guns uh, in that kind of context that does not teach that teach their kids like drill into them you use safety you know what you're doing with this you know it's potential you know it's danger and if you don't you don't touch this 
Uh, so I think in a way it teach them that same kind of responsibility. You know, it's something that is capable of, you know, great danger. You know, it, it can have some good uses, but it's capable of a lot of danger. Uh, some of it spiritual uh, in ways that, you know, the gun isn't always. Uh, although, you know, you kill somebody, there's going to be spiritual ramifications <laughs> for that. Uh, but, you know, approach it in that kind of way. Uh, and... Um, I think progressively give them parts of this freedom rather than just kind of jumping into it. I, I think this should be something that, you know, we give them slowly and intentionally. Uh, I think uh, we should note that we should put the phone down when socializing and tell them uh, that it's responsible. We put our phones down with socializing and, and really strictly enforcing that in the home, you know, that, you know, you don't, you know, when grandma's talking to you, you will not have your phone out. Uh, and not doing so is rude. I will tell you, that is, it baffles me. Gen Zers, I mean, they middle of a conversation with their phone out. Uh, that I mean, even if they're not getting a call. And that, I mean, that is, I think it's sinful. It is rude and disrespectful to the human they are conversing with. Uh, I, I lastly, I'll say I probably won't give a 4G device to you know our kids uh, until late high school at minimum. So that's you know my personal feelings. You know we're not there yet, but uh, uh, that's where I kind of lean for our family on that. What do you think, Ben, about this? Well, I, I mean, even in the question, I kind of gave away some of where I land on this, but thinking through it as a responsibility. And this is a privilege. Highlight that this is a privilege, and with privileges come responsibility, and that that's how things work. And I mean, you can play that out in other ways in your family. That you don't just get privileges and privileges and privileges, and then you have nothing expected of you. Um, I forget where I heard this term, but I heard it in connection with this stuff. But help your kids learn that their currency that they have with you is trust, and so they can trade. In trust, and so they show themselves trustworthy in other areas, and they can show themselves trustworthy with a device. Then th that can accrue more privileges. But if they show themselves that they can't be trustworthy in other areas or with the device, it's like, well, that's that's the only thing you've got to spend with me. So no, because I mean, you should know. And if you don't know about the dangers of of uh, smart-enabled devices and the internet, well, <laughs> go go do a little googling. Um, I mean, they are just really, really. Uh, out there, uh, and not just like that they can find porn. I mean, this it can also what it can do to your brain, but it can have spiritual effect on you as well. And you could never have watched pornography with it, and, and it could still have a shrinking effect on your soul. So, I mean, obviously, both of us have noted well the dangers, but can smart devices be used to edify kids and teenagers and used to the glory of God? Well. I think if this podcast is edifying to people in that way, I mean, I, I guess it kind of is proof that we can. I mean, we literally texted each other in our smart devices today uh, about, you know, some details and recording the podcast. So I assume you were on your smartphone when you did it. Uh, I, yes, I was. And I, I posted, we, we, uh, we posted on social media forums and use apps on a smartphone to listen to other podcasts. We do. Yeah. So, uh, now, I, I would say absolutely uh, they can. So the benefits uh, you know, of the digital Bibles, for example, uh, can be brought up. We've talked about digital Bibles before, 
Uh, and, you know, we've noted, you know, I, I don't encourage them to use the youth group, for example, but, you know, they have clear advantages. Uh, plus, my kids can access, you know, I've, I'm a big Kindle reader, so I literally have hundreds of books on Kindle, uh, mostly Christian books. So I have a few heretical books, but so maybe this proves my point. But, uh, you know, my kids, for example, can access, you know, they went their Kindle, their smart devices are through Kindle, Amazon, and they could literally access hundreds of godly books in a moment uh, if they if they so wanted to so uh, I think they can encourage one another even you know even online I mean the, the reality is I've known of teenagers that have used you know even social media even the social media is that I'm not a fan of to you know help and to lift up a brother or sister in the Lord that's a teenager or you know whatever to help point them to Jesus uh, they easy they've easy access to knowledge theoretically um, I mean, I'll say that theoretically, uh, and that can, <laughs> that can theoretically dispel misinformation. Uh, but you know, people don't do that. So I used to, I, I remember like constantly it used to be said, you know, this would all this easy access information was going to stop the spread of misinformation and the spread of, you know, lot of commonly believed lies. But I mean, in 2021, <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible to believe that. I mean, just made it worse. Yeah. People, people actively use their, use their phones to be led to believe something that they can use their phones to confirm is not, in fact, true. <laughs> anyway, what do you think, Ben? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that the technology can be used to edify people, to glorify God, um, you know, sending verses and prayers and, and encouragements, check in on somebody and actually like pick up the phone and call someone, let them hear your voice. Um, that those are all good things. So it's not all bad. Like you said too, the, the educational things, uh, listening to of course the theological family ministry podcast, and then any other thing you'd want to listen to. But there are, yeah, there's just a number of ways and helping them to see that like, Hey, use this, helping your your i wouldn't say child um, steer more towards the teenagers but hey you can use this device to be a blessing to other people don't just use it to consume <clears throat> which is kind of a, a lot of the software that that is on there and the applications are designed to get you to consume so tony how can families think biblically and wisely or, or maybe with biblically shaped wisdom about their kids and their teens and the use of smart devices. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned biblically, so I, I thought of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 32, uh, and that, um, chapter 10, rather, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Uh, and it says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And so I, I think this is helpful because, you know, We've been very clear that there's nothing sinful about having, you know, a smart device, but there's often more to it. There's often questions of whether these are going to help them in their walk with the Lord, whether they're going to really build up one another and themselves through that. So uh, I think that another thing biblically and wisely uh, they should consider is that we need to crucify we talk so much about fear of man in the podcast, really, because it impacts so much of what we do in this. Uh, and we need to really crucify the kind of keeping up with the Joneses mentality that often comes with smartphones. Uh, and 
And lastly, I would say you need to accept that your kids are, you know, bad and will likely they're sinners. I mean, that's just what the Bible says we are too. Uh, and they will likely do bad things with the right tools. Even, you know, your kid that trusts in Jesus, even yourself, uh, there's a real, real good chance that a bad thing's going to happen with the right tools, especially without a lot of helps to make sure that happens. Uh, we, uh, we should not be naive in thinking that, you know, our kid uh, that has easy access to, you know, porn or easy access to cyberbullying is just, they're, you know, little Johnny's never going to do that. Uh, that's foolish to kind of assume that. What do you think, Ben? Good, good advice. Um, I think just from a big picture standpoint, learn about how the devices work, um, what's out there, how the software and applications work, and what pitfalls and dangers there might be. Um, I think you want to get input from others, especially if they have been there before and maybe they could share wisdom of what to do or what not to do. Uh, I've talked to a number of parents who are, say, you know, 15, 20 years ahead of me who've had kids that you know they're they've already walked through some of those teenage years or young adults now and i know one in particular they gave their kids smartphones i think at about 16 and recently one of them said i i could have waited longer and and their kids i mean they they at least two of them that I know of take a pretty conservative approach to it. Now, personally, being adults, one, I'm not sure about the usage, but um, but I think, yeah, you, you want to look at Scripture and, and take some of those bigger picture principles and, and put them into play. Because, again, the Bible doesn't address specifically smartphones, um, but what is it causing you to do? What is it causing you to not do? And making some of those decisions, thinking about your ch- your child, um, what are their tendencies, what are they ready for, how have they shown that they can be trustworthy or not, and, and all those kind of things. Tony, how can churches help parents and help their kids think through these decisions a little bit more carefully? Uh, I think maybe a little more nuance in promoting digital platforms uh, might be a good thing. Uh, and, you know, we say this as people that, you know, We've been clear, you know, use digital, use your digital uh, platforms to, you know, listen to podcasts or whatever. Uh, But uh, it, uh, I think it's foolish to kind of really jump into that, you know, we should push that everybody has this, you know. And that's where I I worry, especially with kind of uh, particularly vein of, you know, gearing towards young people in church, that almost like we even create this fear of missing out for those that don't have smartphones or don't have, you know, social media. I mean, there are youth ministries that, you know, they push, like, you need to be following the Instagram of the youth ministry. It's so cool and everything. But maybe the parent doesn't want them on Instagram for good reasons. And so you got to be careful with not adding fuel to the fire. Uh, And I think youth leaders should make, uh, youth leaders particularly, I want to talk to, should make parents aware uh, to what they know of the dangerous social medias that are out there. I think that's part of the responsibility now of those kind of leaders to the degree that they can. So uh, 
I think lastly, I will say that, you know, in any kind of family activities that, uh, that you do, you know, next-gen activities, I think it's pretty wise for churches to help parents by limiting uh, phone activities, phone use, and these kind of things. Whether it be like we did, you know, we're basically no phones in the youth group or, you know, even, you know, you have a, uh, you know, children's ministry and just say, you don't need to have your phone out during junior church or doing, you know, whatever you guys have. Yeah, that's good. What do you think, Ben? I think addressing it uh, head on, addressing it directly. And I liked what you said about being nuanced and, and maybe the platforms that we promote. Um, and we, our church does have some social media channels, and our, our student ministry and the, uh, excuse me, our children's ministry also makes use of some of those. Thinking it's more, at least in our case with children, is geared more towards the parents because I don't want the kids to have, uh, you know, social media accounts. I just, I don't see the need for someone who's that young. And I don't even know all the user agreements on, on some of those things. Some of them may have limits, but that we do make some YouTube videos that uh, often though what they're intended for is for parents and kids to watch it together to then be able to discuss. But yeah, I think that is something to consider just being intentional about that and uh, addressing it directly, trying to challenge people's assumptions if you can. Um, instead of just going with the cultural flow as well, I mean yeah. everybody else is doing it. Um, but stop and think, and and talk about your habits and how formational they can be on you and on your child. And um, I, I read something earlier today. This guy named Cal Newport, who's written things related to this and other related topics, uh, he said that he felt like so smartphones were going to be sort of like cigarettes. In that, you know, people started saying, well, you know what, we need to ban people under a certain age from using these. And then that became the gateway for going, you know what, maybe the rest of us shouldn't be using them either. Now, there's still a lot of people that smoke, but not like it's not nearly as commonplace as it was a few generations ago. Where, you know, on television, everybody's smoking. And um, <laughs> and so just the, the way, the ubiquity of it, it's like, you know, maybe the eight-year-old doesn't need an iPhone. Um, and maybe the rest of us should take a, take note of that too. But anyway, I think it's a good point. I think to, you want to help parents to teach their kids and, and to help them form a community, a community together, uh, of people who in many ways, including in this one, just get used to saying we're different. My family's different. Um, I kind of got that from, Andy Crouch, who has written a book on this, uh, watched a webinar, and, and he was talking about that. I, I believe it was him. If not, sorry to whoever I got that insight from, but trying to give credit. Um, but the the point was made that, like, for instance, Orthodox Jewish families and, and the kids in it, they get used to saying, oh, our family's different. We don't eat that. We don't do that. We don't do this on, on Saturday, on the Sabbath. And, and so not that we need to be like the Amish necessarily – Though, Tony, this, you may find this interesting. There are certain Amish groups that do allow cell phones. Um, and actually, I was aware of some that they, they were allowed, and then apparently there was misuse of the cell phone, so then it was banned. So I don't know what the misuse involved, um, but um, anyway, just being used to saying like, oh, yeah, because, um, I mean, we've gotten some complaints about certain – structures we have in place related to that oh well how about this these people and these people 
And the thing is, I, I know other families who do take a similar approach to it uh, as us. And so it is helpful to say, well, no, that's actually not true. Not yeah. everybody does that. Look, I mean, we, we, you know these people. And, um, and, look, and also point to the benefits of look at what we can do together. We're not all glued to the device. I mean, how many, have you been out at a restaurant or someplace and you see the whole family with their face buried in a device? It's just kind of depressing. Oh, or yeah, a couple totally. on a date. It's like, come on, this is a joke. Like, like talk to each other. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, so I've already mentioned a couple of resources, but where can parents gain some wisdom and insight on this important uh, formational issue? Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Andy Crouch, and I think, I think his resources are just terrible. I'm kidding. No, he has a really good uh, book called Tech Wise Family, and his daughter actually has a book on, uh, mm-hmm. like, being raised in the TechWise family. And that was, I almost like that even better than uh, TechWise family. So, uh, but that's a really good series by Andy Crouch. And I forgot his daughter's first name. Uh, I think everybody should check that out. Uh, another really good one is Tony Ranke uh, wrote a book called, a short little book called 12 Ways Your Ch- Phone Is Changing You. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's less relevant to, uh, you know, kids. But I think it is a really helpful resource in navigating this. Uh, and the last one actually is a secular thing. And uh, it's, I don't endorse everything in it, but there was a Netflix documentary called, uh, this kind of a docudrama called The Social Dilemma. And uh, it actually kind of goes into how, you know, even a lot of the tech developers are like, no, this is like a drug. And we need to be really careful with this, especially with minors. I will say the, uh, there's like a drama in it and it's real stupid. And uh, it's like, I mean, and they're trying to, I, I love this. I found fascinating this part of it that they were trying to kind of uh, make a, a version of like an extremist group, but they didn't want to offend anybody. And so they called it like the radical middle. Uh, so like, and that just, for some reason, that's hilarious in my mind that, uh, you know, the, uh, like an extremist group that's, you know, one person is saying, you know, 20% tax, another person is saying 10%, and, and they're radical radically like like violently committed to being halfway between you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh that is funny but uh what what do you think ben were there any other resources that i know you'd alluded to one actually i've read it i didn't think about it for this podcast but i should have yeah well both or um i've not seen that documentary though i've had conversations with people about it and i've seen a clip of it um and it it is telling um another book it's a very very short read i mean it's like small pages and it's like 60 show pages and it's called raising kids in a screen saturated world by eliza huey um it's very practical book uh she is a biblical counselor and other things Uh, she's actually kind of up there towards your area tony baltimore area um and so that we gave that out actually at a family conference a couple of years ago at our church, nice. and that's uh, I think be worth your time. Quick read, um, and the, the Tony Rinky book uh, that uh, I listened to it on audio, and it is insightful. Just thinking about what it's doing back to you and how it's shaping you spiritually. Now, again, aside from whether you're using it to view pornography and things like that, but just how the triviality and this steady stream of it, and you go from triviality to devastation and back to triviality and uh, everything in between. And so um, it was interesting. And it actually did uh, 
it caused me to take a number of steps with my own uh, devices and, and how I handled things after listening to it got me thinking. Uh, there's Now, I've not read this book. I've seen some stuff from this guy, but his name is Cal Newport, and he has written a book called Digital Minimalism uh, as opposed to Maximalism. Just uh, he was the guy that was talking about, you know, phones being like cigarettes. And uh, <clears throat> again, I do like that <laughs> analogy. But uh, he, he's got some things I think that may be helpful that you want to check out. Again, I'm not necessarily endorsing everything he says or does because I don't know all about it. But um, there are people both within the church and without the ch- who are, are seeing problems. And like you said, Tony, I mean, there's people that, that work within the industry who have started going, you know what, this is um, – some of this stuff is concerning, and particularly for young people. I mean, I, I'll kind of close with a, a quote from uh, – let me see if I can find it here. It's uh, one of the guys that helped start Facebook, and uh, Sean Parker. I think he was the Napster guy too, right? Yeah, he was the okay. Napster guy. Remember that? Okay. <laughs> so he, he's talking about social media. He said it literally changes your relationship with society, with each other. It probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Um, you know, and this is a guy who's been enriched by it, but uh, does see that there is a nasty underbelly. And so, and it's not just the social media. I mean, it's just the devices themselves can be a gateway to so many, both good, but also dangerous things. And so it's just something we, we need to be wise about it, to be uh, innocent as, as doves and cunning as serpents. So, um, but so thanks for talking about this with me, Tony. This was uh, enjoyable and helped me just press in on some things. And I don't know that it made me change anything significantly what I'm going to do you know, tomorrow with my kids, but just maybe more committed to put my own phone down and uh, engage with them and help them think wisely about it. Amen. Well, I hope our listeners enjoy listening to this on their smartphone, probably. (laughs) While they smoke a cigarette. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Good talking to you, Ben. Uh, You too, man. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.